0: Good morning all. Good morning to everyone. We're glad you're here today. If you wouldn't mind, uh, we're going to start things a little differently today. We're going to begin with a responsive reading, uh, printed in your in your folder and also on overhead as well. If you wouldn't mind uh, joining me as we read responsively. What brings you to this place today? But this is not your usual format for worship.
1: We know today is special. We, we have come it. to worship God through the ordination and installation of those we have chosen to serve as
0: deacons. Are you willing to be responsible for the mutual commitments which will be made here between your leadership and yourselves?
1: Yes, indeed. We have not come here to be called but to be challenged and to be renewed in our commitment to
0: Christ and to church. Then you think this service can be a turning point in the life of our church? Yes, if we are willing to open our lives solely to God and to Then let us celebrate the event of ordination and the fact that we have all been called to serve the Lord in this place. We are so glad that you are here today, that you have joined us this morning. It's a, a special day because we are uh, ordaining four new deacons to the deacon ministry today. Kirk Haynes and Rachel Hobson and Brittany Smith and Connie Hogberg. And uh, we are so happy for them and so happy that uh, uh, our church has called them out to be serving as deacons. And so this this, this day is kind of surrounded by them and we're glad for you and and offer God's blessings upon you. And we're glad that you have joined us today uh, for this special day. And, and we welcome you, everyone. And we welcome our guests especially. We have a number of guests that are here, uh, probably some because of this um, this special day. And so we welcome you and, and want you to know that uh, you're very special for us. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheet on each row. There's a little uh, red folder there. If you wouldn't mind taking that and uh, filling it out with the information uh, that you feel comfortable giving to us, we would certainly appreciate that and pass it down the row so others can fill it out as well. We, we would appreciate that. Uh, uh, several announcements that I want to call to your attention, beginning with right after this worship service. We will be having lunch. We have the table set up here and uh, and. And the back, and I think Mary uh, will be bringing us instructions in a little bit after the service as to what we need to do. Uh, but please, everyone, stay for lunch today. As as Chris said a little while ago, if if anybody goes home, home hungry today, it's your own fault. Uh, so, <laughs> also um, uh, several things we have coming up on Wednesday. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. I know it's it's Valentine's Day, but it's also Ash Wednesday. And um, we, for the past several years, we have been joining with Zion UCC and First Christian Church to celebrate some of these uh, special days in the church calendar, and we're going to be doing that again this year. Uh, this year, we will be celebrating uh, Ash Wednesday at Zion UCC at 5:30 that in the evening, and so we invite you to, to put that on your calendar and to be be there for uh, for that service, and uh, and of course that begins the season of Lent. And so the Lenten Lunches will begin uh, the week after that on um, uh, February 21st at First Christian Church. And then the next week, on February the 28th, we will be hosting the Lenten Lunch. And Chris, I think you have some instructions from Lana. He he, he gave me some numbers a little while ago. I said, you, you do it. <laughs> We're hosting the Lenten Luncheon on the 28th, Wednesday at noon. So if you're a worker, it's Tuesday the 20. 27th at 9 for prep and then on the day of the luncheon get here 20 minutes early if you're a worker we don't need any volunteers those that are working have already been drafted you'll be contacted about to remind you about coming on tuesday the 27th at 9 and then 20 minutes before on wednesday the 28th thanks got all that (laughs) <laughs> One more announcement I'd like to call to your attention. Um, as many of you know, the month of February is Black History Month. And in uh, observation of, of Black History Month, we're going to be uh, have a movie night here at the church on February the 25th. We're going to be viewing the movie Selma uh, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then afterwards, we're going to have just a brief little discussion a- after the movie. The movie begins at 3 o'clock. I think it's just about 2 hours. Hours about I think it's two hours and eight minutes long, and so we should be out of here uh, two, let's see, three, four, five. We should be out of here by five thirty or so. So uh, please come and be a part of that. Free popcorn and drinks, and it's a great day to be here together. Uh, We have lots going on. We have a lot uh, to celebrate. So let me invite you now to stand and let us share the joy of Christ with one another.
2: Share one of our children, and then you cannot be seated until you come up here. Good morning. I'm Mary Rye. I sit up there a lot. Y'all doing okay? Good. Today, as you have figured it out, is deacon ordination. And the four people that we, are, we will ordinate,
1: ordain,
2: <laughs> are sitting right over there. Kirk Haynes, wave Kirk, because we don't know you amongst all the women. Kirk Haynes, Rachel Hobson, Connie Hogbird, and Brittany Smith. We believe that there are folks in this congregation that have the gifts that it takes to be a deacon. Now, a deacon helps take care of families in our church. They help make important decisions for the congregation, for the ministries that we do, and the direction that we go. It's a pretty big thing. The Bible says that each of us are given gifts to help the church. Spiritual gifts. we realize that we need special gifts that God has given us and they have and God has given these four people some very special gifts. Kirk and Rachel and Connie and Brittany. Now here's I need some help with this. This is as soon as I figure it out. This is Rachel. This belongs to Rachel. Will one of you please take that to Rachel and give it to her? Um, You need to open this. Open them, please. This belongs to Kirk. Yes, please. Um, This one belongs to Brittany. And so, obviously, this one belongs to Connie. Would you please would you open those gifts? Thank you. Inside those gifts inside those packages I think are the gifts God gave them. I'm going to do this without crying. (laughs) Connie, I'm going to do this without crying. Inside that box are gifts that I believe, are two gifts that I believe that God gave each of them to serve as deacons in this congregation. So, um, Rachel, what two gifts? Um, Faith and hope. Faith and hope. My goodness, Rachel has been through um, some great deep waters in her life, and she kept the faith. My goodness, and as a school teacher, she uses that faith to give children, kids like y'all, hope. Hope that they can learn, hope that life is going to be good, life is good. Hope that um, as adults they can do great and wonderful things. Brittany, what does yours say? Healing and, helping. Healing and helping. Now, Brittany, as you all know, is the um, executive director for Habitat for Humanity. There are folks who live in Henderson County who do not have a home. Um, or the house that they live in is... Is in such condition that it's not safe for them to be there. So, the, the organization that Brittany leads and has for many years now um, is a group of folks who build houses for folks who need them. Um, that's very healing. It is unbelievable um, what it is to live in a house where you feel safe and that um, the plumbing works and you've got hot water. You've got heat every day and you feel safe. Um, That's healing um, and helping. Kirk, what does yours say? Knowledge and vision, vision, as you all know, Kirk's a teacher. (laughs) Kirk's a really good teacher. Um, So he has this way of taking what he knows um, and presenting it in a way um, for kids to understand. And he's just darn funny at doing it anyway. (laughs) He has this, God gave him this ability to see things um, that the rest of us don't see. He's got the ability to have uh, a vision for kids, for the church, for himself, um, that we can be things that we don't see now. Um, Knowledge and vision. Connie, what does yours say? Wisdom and acceptance. Wisdom and acceptance. Connie has this ability to just be able to. Know what to do, when to do it. And because she's a school bus driver, um, she used to work for the hospital, but now that she's a school bus driver, and both when she worked for the hospital and now, um, when you encounter Connie... You know that she's going to love you, she's going to accept you, she's going to, um, you're going to be comfortable around Connie because that's just who she is. Wisdom, it takes wisdom to be able to um, kind of see past people's facade, that's a big word, um, and love and accept them. For these four people, this is the first time that they have served as deacons. And so because this job is so important, we as a congregation, and that includes all of us, that includes all of us. Do you hear what I'm saying now? Okay. All of us. We, as a congregation, will offer a special blessing to them here in a few minutes. And this is called ordination. Um, when we offer our blessings to Kirk and Connie and Rachel and Brittany, we will come. they will come and sit in these chairs. We will come and we will... Either put hands on their head or on their shoulders or you can hold their hands um, and offer them a very special blessing. A blessing is like a prayer, and in that prayer, you can ask God to guide them. You can ask, you can whisper in their ear or say to their face and ask God to guide them. Um, you can ask God to continue giving them wisdom to to know how to um, direct us. You can tell them that you love them. Um, you can hug them. You can don't have to say anything. You can just put your hands on their shoulders or on their heads or hold their hands um, and you don't have to say anything you can tell them that you will pray for them um, that you love them you can say thank you for being willing to serve God in this way or a little you can just give them a hug. Um, God calls all of us to do ministry. God has called these four, um, and those four have said yes to God, that they will serve that they will serve God by being deacons in this church and help taking care of us in the direction that we will go. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for Connie and Kirk and Brittany and Rachel. I thank you for the gifts that you have given them. I thank you that you have put them down at Community Baptist Church to serve you. I ask your blessings on them as they become your servants as deacons lead them and guide them. Thank you for blessing us through them. So we lift them to you, oh God, in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Join me in reading Jeremiah one verses four through five. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is the word of the Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can always trust in you. You are an abundant God, and out of your great mercy, you have given us so much. We give you this offering today. With it, we worship you and give our whole selves to you. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply its reach and influence as we pray. May it be a great blessing to many. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Get the sense that something important is happening today? Something very good. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. You have called me, and I will answer. You know, if we pray that prayer, God will call. And we only have to answer. And that's why we are here today, because these have prayed that prayer, and they have answered the call of God. You know, I was thinking a little bit about what it means to be a church member. And sometimes I think that it may be too easy to join the church. Sometimes I think that maybe we've set the bar a little bit too low. I mean, think about it. Pretty much anybody can get in. Right? (laughs) Including sinners like you. (laughs) And me. You were wondering a little bit there. I know. So it made me think, I wonder what would happen if we required people to walk over a bed of hot coals as an initiation into the church. <laughs> maybe, maybe people would take their church memberships a little more seriously if they, if they did that. What do you think? I, I thought about firewalking when I read an item... Um, from Adam Horowitz's book titled The Dumbest Moments in Business History and Horowitz tells about a, a group of Burger King employees who went on a, a corporate retreat to Key Largo Florida and the trip was supposed to be a, a team building exercise for its marketing uh, department and the highlight of the training was a firewalking exercise each one of the 100 people in a Attendance at this retreat was to walk barefoot across an eight-foot bed of hot coals while the co- their coworkers cheered them on. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Well, unfortunately, things didn't turn out quite the way they expected. You see, a dozen or so participants ended up with first and second degree burns, and one of their co-workers ended up in the hospital. Now, I have a feeling that churches would not grow very fast if we required prospective members to walk barefoot across a bed of hot coals. And that's why we've reserved that for deacon ordination. (laughs) meet you in the back after the service (laughs) now I mentioned the, the firewalking in order to deal with a larger subject, and that is, what does it take to motivate people? And something motivated those people to do that, I don't know. But it, 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 the subject I want to deal with is, what does it take to motivate people? And most of us have seen millions of dollars of uh, worth of motivational books and tapes and videos and seminars that, that have grappled with this very question of motivation. So if you have an answer for it, you could probably be rich. But the question that I want us to deal with today is, how can I motivate myself to do the things that I know I ought to do? Well, this is an ordination sermon for Kirk Haynes and Rachel Hobson and Connie Hogberg and Brittany Smith. Because Kirk and Rachel and Connie and Brittany have answered the call of God. And and they've answered the call of their church to become a deacon. And sometimes that can be really tough. It can be really tough, a tough job. Because your main responsibility as a deacon is to to keep up with and to to minister to the families that you have been assigned in, in our church. And sometimes it may be difficult. Sometimes it may be hard to motivate yourself to pick up that telephone or to make that visit or to check in on that family. And quite frankly, there may be something else that you'd rather be doing. So this morning... I'll I want us to deal with a young man in the Old Testament who was highly motivated and see if we can learn something from him that will help us to motivate us in our own lives and in our own ministries. His name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet. And I know that comes as a surprise to some of you. I know some of you probably think that Jeremiah was a bullfrog. (laughs) And I can tell that that little joke divides our congregation across generational lines. (laughs) Because many of you know exactly what I'm talking about today. But some of our younger folks have no idea what in the world I'm talking about. (laughs) So by way of explanation, there was a very popular song years ago by a group named Three Dog Night. It was called, the name of the song was Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog. And, and so now we have a whole generation of people who can't help but to think about that song every time we hear, hear the name Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, I bet some of you are singing that song in your head right now. <laughs> Maybe we should do that as our closing hymn or something. I don't know. But the Jeremiah in the Bible was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. And he was was only a teenager when God came to him and told him, I want you to prophesy. Well, Jeremiah didn't want to do that. He said, I don't know how. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a boy. But God assured Jeremiah that God would put God's own words in Jeremiah's mouth and make him a prophet to the nations. And and God did exactly that. But things didn't go very well for Jeremiah. In fact, things do not go very well for most prophets if they are truly speaking the Word of God. Tends to get us in trouble sometimes. Jeremiah is known as the broken-hearted prophet because the people of Israel rejected his message, re- rejected his words. They ridiculed him, they taunted him, they threw him in jail. At one point, they, he was thrown into a pit and left there to die. Some believe that Jeremiah was murdered in Egypt by some people who didn't like what he had to say. And yet, right up until the time of his death, Jeremiah persisted in doing what God wanted him to do. Jeremiah was true to his mission. And that's why Jeremiah was such a good example of motivation for Kirk and Connie and Brittany and and Rachel. And indeed, for all of us who need a little motivation to do what we've been called to do in our lives. But what was it that kept him going when, when his work was resisted? Well, first of all, Jeremiah had a strong sense of God in his life. Listen to the words from our lesson again. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah had a strong sense of God in his life. And, and it was that strong sense of God's presence that kept him going. And kept him doing what seemed to be impossible under the most difficult of circumstances. So do you have that kind of consciousness of God's presence in your life today? Catherine Rohr was living the good life as an investor on Wall Street. But one day, she was invited to take a tour of a prison in Texas, and it was a life-changing experience for her. You see, not only did she have compassion for the inmates of that prison, but she also saw the potential that they had in the business world. They, she saw what they could become in their lives and, and the gifts that they had. I mean, think about it. Drug dealers, as much harm as they do, they're really entrepreneurs. They know how to handle money. They know how to set up an organization. And so she was thinking, could their potential be unleashed in some positive way? Well, Catherine was so intrigued by this possibility that she left her New York investment career, she moved to Texas with her husband, and she started a new kind of ministry there to to help inmates develop skills as legitimate business people. And it wasn't easy. For one thing, immediately when she got to Texas, all of her belongings were stolen by the very type of people that she was coming to serve. And some of us would have become so angry and so discouraged by something like that that we would have turned our backs on them and, and gone back to New York. But Catherine didn't do that. She hung in there because she had a strong sense of God's presence in her life and, and in her work. And today, more than 370 inmates have graduated from her program And 97% of them were employed within four weeks of their release. Most colleges don't have that good of an employment rate. So, how'd she do it? Well, Catherine says that she prayed to God and then she said, Bring it on. That's a good attitude for any minister and any deacon. Jeremiah had a strong sense of awareness that God was with him, and that awareness gave him the strength that he needed to keep on doing his work, even when he was most discouraged. Secondly, Jeremiah knew that he had been set apart. And that's what we are doing for you today, Kirk and Brittany and Connie and Rachel. The very definition of ordination Is to set someone apart for a particular ministry. And we are ordaining you. We are setting you apart today to the deacon ministry. Listen again to Jeremiah's words. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. But what does that mean to be set apart? Well, have you ever heard the phrase, he or she marches to the beat of a different drummer? You ever heard that? Uh, the, the term is, is usually used in a negative way. It, it means that someone's out of step with the, the rest of society. And, and, you know, we are a very conformist society, aren't we? I mean, nobody wants to be thought of as different. We want to make sure that if, if wide ties are in style, we want to wear a wide tie. And if thin ties, skinny ties are in style, we want to wear a skinny tie, a narrow tie. And, and usually this is a, rare, a, a, a rather harmless game that we play. But sometimes we can get into trouble with this. Woody Allen once told a story on himself. He said that um, he's afraid of doctors. And he's also extremely tight with money. He said years ago he started to suffer from headaches and the headaches eventually became so bad that he forced himself to go see a doctor. And after he was examined, his doctor informed him that he needed to have several thousand dollars worth of tests. And that was enough to send Woody running. And then Woody remembered that he had an old friend named Billy who also suffered with headaches. And so he, he was thinking that maybe he could learn from Billy, how Billy cured his headaches without going through all this hassle and all this expense of going through all those tests. And so he called his old friend, Billy, and Billy's mother answered the phone and she informed Woody that Billy was dead. Well, Woody immediately dropped the phone and, and, and he, he immediately made appointments for all of those expensive tests and, that the doctor had ordered. And two weeks later he, and thousands of dollars later, he, he met with the doctor and was relieved to find out that there was nothing seriously wrong with him. And so Woody called Billy's mom to apologize for his phone call and to say that he was sorry that he had hung up on her. And he explained that he had been just really upset because he had been suffering with the same kinds of headaches that had killed Billy. And suddenly Billy's mom said, oh, no. Billy's headaches didn't kill him. Billy was hit by a truck. So much for learning from Billy's experience. (laughs) So here's the thing. You remember when you said to your mother, but mom, everybody's doing it. You remember that? And do you remember what your mother used to say to you in return?
1: If everybody
0: was jumping off a cliff, would you jump off too? (laughs) The point is that the crowd can be wrong. And the crowd was wrong in Jeremiah's day. They were turning their backs on God and they were were refusing to take God seriously. And so Jeremiah confronted them about it. And we all need to know that we are living in a society that's moving away from God. And I know that there are a lot of churches in our country and millions of people still make their way to those churches every year. But every year, the number of those people who call themselves Christians is a smaller number than the year before. A smaller percentage than the year before. And our society is becoming basically hostile to anything religious. And you know what? Sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes it's our fault. Because unfortunately, many Christians very publicly show their uglier side rather than demonstrating the love and the acceptance that Jesus Christ lived in his life and has taught us to live as well. And that has had a terrible effect on society's perception of the church. And of God. And so I believe that, God, that uh, God is looking for people like Connie and Kirk and Brittany and Rachel who are willing to be set apart. And this is not a smug, self righteous type of set apart that we're doing here. God has had enough of those religious people who thumb their noses at the rest of society. God is looking for a different type of set apart people people like you. People who have a servant mentality. Who want to improve society in the name of Jesus. And frankly, that's what the word deacon really means. A deacon is a servant. That's the definition of the word. And God wants people like you who have been set apart, set aside to serve the Lord and to serve God's church. And then finally, Jeremiah lived a purpose-driven life. Rick Warren wrote a best-selling book uh, with that title many years ago, and some of you probably have read that book. It was, many people did. But do you remember what, how, the fir- how the book begins, what the very first words are in the book? The very first words in that book are, It's not about you. It's not about you. Well, Jeremiah knew that it was not about him either. And Brittany and Rachel and Kirk and Connie, it's not about you either. It's not about me or anybody else here. It's about God and the work that God has called us to do. God had work for Jeremiah to do. And it was hard work, and it was dirty work sometimes, and it was unrewarding work, and it was thankless work. But because God had called him to the task, Jeremiah did what needed to be done. And God is looking for people just like that who are are willing to do whatever needs to be done, no matter what. Among the prisoners at Buchenwald Concentration Camp, there was a group of Jewish doctors. And these doctors were treated just like, <clears throat> just like everybody else. They got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, just like everybody else. They stood for roll call in the, in the freezing cold, just like everybody else. They went out and they worked on the roads, just like everybody else. And when it was dark, they were brought in, just like everybody else, and given a, a cup of cold, thin soup that barely nourished their bodies. But then when everybody else went to sleep, those doctors would gather at the back of their bar- barracks and they would talk. They stimulated each other's minds. They talked about cases. They talked about situations among their fellow prisoners and how they might treat them if they had the right medicine. And they kept challenging each other. And finally, they stopped talking and they started acting. They started doing something. They secured items from here and there. They bribed the the guards so that they could bring in some supplies. And they examined their, their fellow prisoners. They helped them as much as they could. And they knew that just like every other prisoner there, their only reward would be death in a gas chamber. And yet they kept doing it. They continued to do the work of God by ministering to their fellow prisoners. And I know that most of us will never live under those kinds of conditions. At least I hope not. Most of us will never really suffer for our faith. And many of us, um, however many of us may be in situations in which we're not appreciated. Even though we're doing the best we can. And maybe society's turning its back on the church. And, maybe, and that makes it harder and harder for us to do our work. But Rachel and Brittany and Kirk and Connie, you need to know this. God sees your efforts. God sees your efforts. Even though others may not, and maybe they don't appreciate it. God sees your efforts. And those efforts are not in vain. Any more than Jeremiah's efforts were in vain. And so to all of you, and especially to these candidates for deacon, as you begin this important work of God, I say this. Hang in there. Hang in there. It will mostly be a wonderful blessing. It really will be. But you're going to have some frustrating times as well. And you probably won't have a book of the Bible named after you. (laughs) But your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And just like Jeremiah, before you were even born, God set you apart for God's service. So hang in there. Do what you know needs to be done. And know that God is with you and will never, ever, ever let you down. Amen. We've come to a very important part of our service, and that is the ordination. This is what everything's been leading up to today, and that is the ordination of these four men and women to this position of deacon. So I'll ask the four of you to take your seats here in the front. Here's what's about to happen. We're, uh, you will see that we have a, a separate sheet from our, uh, bulletin. And that is the, the ordination service, uh, for our deacons. And we, we're gonna begin by, uh, Reading a, a responsive reading. This is a litany of dedication for these deacon, deacons, and we will read responsively this litany of dedication. Uh, there are parts here for the congregation. There are parts for the candidates themselves, and, and parts for all of us. And then our our chair, our deacon chair, Mary Dunham, will come and offer a prayer, an ordination prayer for these deacons. And then after that prayer is over, we invite anyone who wants to come to come to these candidates to lay your hands upon them, because that brings much energy and, and hope as we do that. And we pass that energy on to these candidates, and you can offer a blessing or a word of encouragement in their ear and to share with them your pride in them for their answer to the call of deacon. And so let us begin with this litany of dedication. In the presence of God, we solemnly recognize the importance of the office of deacon. Based on
1: God's word. The deacon is not a governor, but a servant.
0: The deacon is to assist in responding to needs. To help in the bearing of burdens. ...to minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: We charge our obedience with the responsibility of helping the pastor to shepherd the flock.
0: Kirk, Rachel, Connie, and Brittany, you have been entrusted with a sacred task. Do you now accept the challenge of caring for God's people in the community of believers? And you, congregation, in placing this mantle of responsibility on these servants, you must commit to support them in their ministry. Do you accept the challenge?
1: Do we accept the challenge.
0: Recognizing that we are one body in Christ and having promised mutual support before a holy God, let us serve one another.
3: Please pray with me. Precious loving God, you are with us today. You helped us select our four new deacons, our servants, for our church. We know we are all servants here, and we are all ministers. We are not worthy. However, you guide us, and for that, we love you, we praise you. God will help you. We will help you respond to the needs of others. We will serve those in our community needing to be led to you. God, we will lift burdens from each other in their times of need. Lord, we pray for Kirk, a born leader who serves those middle school students, an incredible son, Johnny, a loving brother, Unc, to Jackson and Haney, and friend to Minnie. Lord, we pray for Rachel, a loving teacher to her students, a cherished daughter to Mark and Nora, who realizes we all do, Rachel, it's a miracle of your love. She's a caring sister, a loving aunt, and of course, friend to many. We pray for Connie, a loving wife, mother, granddaughter, and sister. A nurse, and Lord, a loving bus driver for her babies. She serves you every weekday morning with your beautiful, precious preschoolers. And, of course, a great friend to many, Lord. We pray for Brittany, loving daughter of John and Christine, brother to Caleb, and granddaughter to Jerry and Phil, who is no doubt grinning from ear to ear in heaven. Loving wife to Andrew and mother of Everett, and, of course, a friend to many. We pray for all of our deacons, those before, those now. We're here to serve you, Lord. Precious God, we ask your prayer, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.
0: We invite everyone to come, anyone who wants to come and to lay hands on these candidates and offer them a prayer of, and a word of encouragement. I know that some churches, only ordained people are allowed to do that, but we feel that we have called, as a church, we have called these people to their task. We have, we have elected them and, and uh, called them to the work that they have before us. And so we invite all to come to lay hands on them, to share with them uh, your expectations and your blessings for them. So, would you come? Church members, family, friends, all are invited to come and pray for them. Would you come? What a great day. Yeah. Do that. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, I know that time is marching along here, but guess what? We're going to eat in just a minute, so uh, so we we can spare a little time. Um, and we want to open it up just a, a few minutes. If any of these uh, deacon candidates would like to address their congregation and to have a word, um, they're welcome to do so, if, if any of you want to. Any takers? Connie's going to come. You want to you come up here? We need a microphone. <laughs>
1: here we we and know and and I've grown more than I can express through words by uh, being a part of the Community Baptist Church, by God bringing me back here under some what i thought were not so great circumstances and my sunday school class i hope will say with me that jesus gave us the greatest commandment is to love the lord our god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and the second is just as great to love your neighbor as yourself
0: No other takers? <laughs> Brittany?
1: <laughs>
0: Brittany's not going to say anything? <laughs> oh. We, uh, we're we're going to have our closing hymn in just a moment and then our benediction and then uh, join in fellowship around the table. Mary, I think there are some special instructions for lunch. So uh, kind of like with Chris, I said, Mary, you do it. I... <laughs> Obviously, this is uh, Rachel and Brittany
3: and Connie and Kurt's special day. So, as soon as we're finished here, we want you and all your family to get in line first, obviously. Now, that means immediate family. No, I'm kidding. Uh, there's two things we do here at church. No, you're not. No, no. Uh, the, the two things we do the most, we cry and we eat. So, you all get your families first and you go in line first and we'll follow in behind you.
0: And let us sing together closing in our song Guide My Feet. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and whatever you do, do in word or deed.